You are listening to The Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Merton. Hello, thank you for tuning into The Pregnancy Podcast. I had a short, unexpected break from the podcast last week. I am breastfeeding my three-month-old baby girl, and I got a really bad case of mastitis, which then developed into an abscess. So not so fun. I spent some time in the hospital. It was kind of a big doozy. Thankfully, I am feeling much better and healing. And I'm working on an episode on lessons that I have learned breastfeeding baby number two. And a lot of these lessons I learned the hard way. So if I can save you from having to go through a small hiccup or something major, like what I've been dealing with for the past month, then that would be amazing. I also want to thank the sponsors for this episode, and these sponsors really have been so supportive of me working hard to get all this information out to you, and I am so grateful to have their support. Mommy Steps makes insoles specifically for pregnancy. I did a whole episode on foot issues that can happen when you're pregnant, and these insoles are going to help prevent a ton of foot issues, things like your arch collapsing, your foot going up a size. I wore these through my pregnancy and love them. You can check them out at pregnancypodcast.com forward slash feet and use the promo code feet, F-E-E-T at checkout to save 20%. I also want to thank Zoller for their support of this episode. Zoller's prenatal vitamin with DHA is my number one recommendation for a prenatal vitamin. To check out the vitamin and get a promo code to save 25%, go to pregnancypodcast.com forward slash vitamin. Last episode, we talked about morning sickness, which affects so many expecting moms. So I know that there are a million remedies circling around online, right, for morning sickness. Hopefully that episode went through some things maybe that you haven't tried yet that can give you some relief. This week, we are talking about antibiotics. I've had a ton of personal experience recently with today's topic in dealing with mastitis and an abscess. And antibiotics are used for a big variety of things during pregnancy, birth, and in the postpartum period. So antibiotic literally means against life. Antibiotics are a microbial drug that are used to treat bacterial infections. And these can be given in the form of a pill, intravenously, topically, in drops for your eyes or your ears. The form that they're administered in is going to depend on what they are prescribed to treat. Antibiotics treat bacterial infections, so unfortunately, they're not going to help with viral infections like the flu because that's going to require an antiviral. Antibiotics are prescription drugs, and you know that I am not a doctor, so please make sure that if you have any questions about antibiotics, that you bring up your questions with your doctor or midwife. And if you are seeing a midwife for your prenatal care, they may not be able to prescribe an antibiotic or any other drugs, it's going to depend on their credentials and the state that you live in. Antibiotics can certainly be life-saving, but there are some downsides to their use and how they can disrupt your gut microbiome. Unfortunately, when you take antibiotics, they don't just kill the bacteria that's causing the infection that you're trying to treat. Antibiotics are also going to kill a lot of the good bacteria in your body. And while antibiotics are commonly prescribed, These are really powerful drugs that should be used cautiously. 
Antibiotics are not a new thing. So the history of these goes way back to ancient civilizations where they would apply moldy bread to wounds to prevent infections. So the discovery of penicillin, which really was the first of modern antibiotics, is credited to Alexander Fleming back in 1928. As antibiotics developed by the 40s, the term antibiotic as we know it today was coined, and the first antibiotics were being manufactured and used, not just on people, but antibiotics were being used on animals too. By the 50s, we knew that antibacterial resistance was an issue. That's something that I will talk about later in this episode. And the 50s, 60s, and 70s were really the golden age of antibiotics because there was a ton of new drugs being created and made available. And since we've just kept increasing their use. Antibiotics being frequently prescribed also carries over to pregnant patients. And antibiotic use during pregnancy is so common. In the United States, antibiotics are prescribed more than any other medications during pregnancy. I did some digging. I was trying to find out what percentage of expecting moms take an antibiotic when they are pregnant. In most European countries, it's around one in five expecting moms that's prescribed an antibiotic during pregnancy. And in the United States, the best statistic I could find was about one in three. And that is including the three-month period prior to becoming pregnant. So presumably that number is going to be a little bit lower when you're just looking at pregnancy only. And if you want to see where these stats are coming from, I'll put links in the show notes. There are a lot of links for this episode, and everything can be found at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 127. Let's run through some of the instances in which an antibiotic might be suggested or prescribed during pregnancy, birth, and in the postpartum period when you could be breastfeeding. A really common condition that antibiotics are often prescribed for during pregnancy is a urinary tract infection or a UTI. This is the most common bacterial infection during pregnancy, and you're more susceptible to UTIs when you're pregnant for a lot of reasons. Your body has an increase in estrogen and progesterone, which can decrease the tone of your bladder. And an increase in plasma decreases your urine, but increases your bladder volume. And as your uterus grows, it's going to put pressure on your bladder, which can block drainage. Plus, you're dealing with lower immunity, which can put you at a higher risk of infection. Not to mention that just the location of your urethra in relation to your vagina and your anus, there's a lot going on down there. It's going to put you at risk for bacteria getting in there. Symptoms of a UTI can range from a burning sensation while urinating up to a fever and abdominal pain. The problem with a urinary tract infection during pregnancy is that if it goes untreated, it can lead to major complications like a kidney infection, intrauterine growth restriction, low birth weight, and premature labor. So UTIs are typically treated with an antibiotic. Another thing that's treated with antibiotics during pregnancy are STDs like gonorrhea and chlamydia. Group B strep is another instance in which antibiotics may be used. Group B strep, or GBS, is common, and normally it's not an issue. This is a bacteria that can be found in your vagina, but it can become an issue for your baby once they're born, if they get a group B strep infection. It's become routine in the United States to test expecting moms for GBS between weeks 35 to 37. 
if you're colonized with group B strep, even if you're considered low risk, it's become routine to treat you with antibiotics. Without antibiotics, there's a 50% chance that your baby would become colonized with GBS. And with antibiotics, that drops by 83%. Keep in mind, not every baby who becomes colonized with GBS is going to become ill, but it does increase risk. Antibiotics are given to you in the beginning of your labor through an IV, and then every four hours during active labor until your baby is born. The reason that you don't get antibiotics before you're in labor is that since group B strep lives in your gastrointestinal tract, it could potentially come back after antibiotics, but before you give birth. I did a full episode that covers everything you need to know about GBS, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Antibiotics may be suggested if your water breaks prior to going into labor, which is called premature rupture of membranes, or after a certain period of time between your water breaking and your baby being born. A Cochrane review that included four randomized controlled studies that involved over 2,600 pregnant women at 36 weeks or more showed that routine antibiotics for term premature rupture of the membranes did not reduce the risk of infection for pregnant women or their babies when compared to the control group that received a placebo or no antibiotics. So they didn't find evidence for the use of routine antibiotics. Your care provider should be looking for evidence that you have an infection prior to administering antibiotics for this. And I'll put a link to that review in the show notes. Another thing during labor that can cause you to receive antibiotics is an epidural. This one's kind of weird. So an epidural raises your risk for running a fever when you're in labor. This affects about 23 out of 100 women. Unfortunately, we don't know why this happens. Now, having a fever does not increase you, your risk or your baby's risk for an infection. But because a fever is a sign of an infection, it's possible that you or your baby could end up with antibiotics unnecessarily. And I'll link to the full episode I did on epidural in the show notes. Antibiotics are routine for cesarean birth to prevent infection after the operation. A review of 95 studies involving over 15,000 women found that the routine use of antibiotics at a cesarean section reduced the risk of infections in mothers as well as the risk of serious complications of infections by 60 to 70%. This was whether the antibiotics were given before or after clamping the umbilical cord. And the review notes that none of the studies looked properly at possible adverse effects on the baby. And so although there are benefits for the mother, there is some uncertainty about whether there are any important effects on your baby if you're receiving antibiotics. And of course, if antibiotics are given before the cord is clamped, then they're also going to get to your baby. If you have any concern about how antibiotics could affect your baby, you're going to want to bring that up with your care provider to talk to them and find out if it's their practice to administer antibiotics before or after clamping the umbilical cord. And I'll put a link to that review in the show notes if you want to read more on antibiotics for a cesarean birth. An instance in which your baby might be given an antibiotic after birth is if they receive erythromycin. This is the ointment that's routinely applied to newborn's eyes, and it's an antibiotic. 
I did a full episode on the pros and cons of erythromycin eye ointment. That episode also talks about vitamin K, and I'll link to that in the show notes. A reason that you could get antibiotics after you have your baby when you're breastfeeding is if you get mastitis. And this can happen when a plug duct is not resolved and turns into mastitis, which has the same symptoms as a plug duct, which it's going to be hard. There's going to be some redness, maybe some pain, but the symptoms with mastitis are often more intense. You can have fever and flu-like symptoms like aches and even chills. Mastitis is basically a more severe plug duct, and it may or may not be an infection. If it is an infection, it could be caused when bacteria enters through a point of damage on your nipple, like if you have a cracked nipple, and antibiotics can be used and they're going to help with that if it's an infection. If you are running a fever and have flu-like symptoms, you can contact your doctor or midwife to talk to them about their suggested course of action and whether or not you should be considering antibiotics to treat it. And I talk a little bit more about this in an episode on breastfeeding and troubleshooting your breast. So I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. One of the risk factors for mastitis is weakened immunity. With any type of infection, you know, the stronger that your immune system is, the better you are going to be able to fight off an infection. And it's so critical to take great care of your health not just during your pregnancy, but even after you have your baby. One of the simplest things you can do for this is continuing to take your prenatal vitamin. I'm such a fan of the prenatal vitamin from Zoller because they use really high quality ingredients. And these are ingredients that not all vitamin companies are using, not even the majority of them. Things like the active form of folate, omega-3s like DHA, Zoller's prenatal is the vitamin that I took throughout my whole last pregnancy, and I'm still continuing to take it in the postpartum period. If you want to learn more about the vitamin and get a promo code to save 25% off a one-month supply, you can go to pregnancypodcast.com forward slash vitamin. Another thing that you can be doing to stay healthy and keep up your immunity is to stay active and get some exercise. So if you're going to be going out for a walk, I really recommend that you get these mommy steps insoles for your shoes. Not only are these going to make your shoes way more comfortable to wear, but they're also going to prevent a pile of foot issues. Like, did you know when you're pregnant that your feet are susceptible to having your arch collapse, which can be really painful? It can also increase your shoe size. How bad would that suck to have to get rid of all your shoes because they don't fit you anymore? This is just one of the many reasons that I wore the Mama Steps insoles during my pregnancy and why I recommend them for you. To check out the insoles, go to pregnancypodcast.com forward slash feet, and you can use the promo code feet at checkout to save 20%. So we've covered a lot of the reasons that you could be prescribed an antibiotic when you're pregnant or during birth or after you have your baby. And you can probably guess that if you're taking antibiotics during your pregnancy, that they're also reaching your baby. There's a review that looked at the comparison of drug concentrations in maternal and fetal plasma, which basically gives an indication of how much your baby is being exposed to antibiotics when you're taking them. 
And the comparisons and the concentrations differed depending on the antibiotic. But all of the antibiotics that were looked at in this review did cross the placenta. So if you're taking it, it's at some level, it's definitely getting to your baby. And I will include a link to that in the show notes if you want to read further. Just because these drugs cross the placenta doesn't necessarily mean that they're harmful to your baby. And as with any medication, deciding to take it is going to involve weighing the risks and benefits. The National Birth Defects Prevention Study looked at antibiotics taken between one month pre-pregnancy and through the first trimester. And it found that penicillins, erythromycins, and cephalosporins, although they're used commonly by pregnant women, weren't associated with many birth defects. But they did find that sulfonamides and nitrofurantoins were associated with several birth defects and indicated a need for additional scrutiny. I'll put a link to that study in the show notes. But despite this study, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists still deems sulfonamides and nitrofurantoins to be safe in the second and third trimesters. And they approve their use in the first trimester if other antibiotics are not available. And I'll put a link to that ACOG committee opinion in the show notes. Here's the thing about research on antibiotics in pregnancy. It's impossible to control for infection. The problem with researching prescription drugs during pregnancy is that, one, no pregnant mom wants to be a guinea pig, and researchers cannot give antibiotics or drugs to mothers who are healthy and who don't have infections or a problem that they're trying to treat because that would be totally irresponsible and no pregnant mom would consent to it. So you can't control for infection because on some level, that's going to affect the outcomes. Now, not all antibiotics are safe to take during pregnancy. We know that tetracyclines can actually discolor your baby's teeth. Streptomycin and canamycin are also tetragenic, meaning that they're known to cause birth defects. So if you're pregnant or trying to become pregnant and your care provider is aware of this, which they should be, then they're going to be taking that into account when prescribing to you any medications. And of course, that includes antibiotics. If you're taking an antibiotic after you have your baby and you're breastfeeding, there's an excellent resource that you can check out to make sure that the antibiotic you're taking is safe for breastfeeding, and that is the LactMed database. This is going to tell you the levels of medication that are going to be present in your breast milk and any possible adverse effects in your baby. And I'll link to that database in the show notes. So at this point, we know that some antibiotics should be avoided during pregnancy and all antibiotics cross the placenta, but there are antibiotics that are considered safe during pregnancy. And if you take one of those, let's talk about some of the potential side effects. While the side effects of antibiotics are going to vary depending on the type of antibiotic, there are a lot of common side effects, and that's going to be nausea and vomiting diarrhea, bloating, indigestion. Those are all due to changes in the bacteria in your gut microbiome. You may also experience abdominal pain or loss of appetite. Yeast infections are common because antibiotics can lead to an increase in candida in your vaginal flora because yes, your vagina is another microbiome. There's both good and bad bacteria there and the balance of that kind of keeps everything healthy. 
And if you're breastfeeding, antibiotics can increase your risk for thrush, which is a yeast infection in your baby's mouth that can also affect your nipples. According to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, antibiotics should be prescribed for pregnant women only for appropriate indications and for the shortest effective duration. So we know that we want to limit their use if we can. One study that I found investigated the relationship between maternal antibiotic exposure before and during pregnancy and the risk of childhood hospitalization with infection. The study found that kids were more likely to be hospitalized for an infection if their mother had taken an antibiotic before or during pregnancy. And I don't want to freak you out about taking antibiotics. Again, it's a matter of weighing the risks and benefits. And not just the risks and benefits of taking the antibiotics, but also the risk of not treating the infection. If you do take antibiotics, there's a few things that you're going to want to do. One, you want to make sure that the problem you're trying to address can actually be solved by antibiotics. A great example is taking antibiotics for the flu. The flu is a virus, so if you were going to take a medication for it, you'd be looking for an antiviral, not an antibiotic. Now, your doctor should know this, but if you're taking antibiotics, you want to make sure that they're actually going to treat the problem that you're trying to treat. If you are prescribed antibiotics, it's always recommended that you take the full prescription, even if you feel better after a short time. The antibiotic is going to go to work right away, so it's going to knock out the majority of the bad bacteria that's causing the infection pretty quickly, like in the first day or two. And this is going to make you feel better. The issue is that it's not going to kill all of the bacteria in the short time frame. So if you stop taking antibiotics, the bacteria that have survived thus far might cause the infection to come back, which you don't want, or they could even become resistant to the antibiotic, also not an outcome that you want. So by continuing to take the full course of antibiotics, you can make sure that all of that bad bacteria that's causing the infection are eradicated. One of the issues with the high use of antibiotics is that over time, when bacteria comes into contact with antibiotics, it evolves to be resistant. On top of overuse, other things like people not finishing their complete prescription for antibiotics, poor infection control and hospitals, all of these things contribute to antibiotic resistance worldwide. And a growing list of infections like pneumonia, tuberculosis, blood poisoning, and even gonorrhea are becoming harder and sometimes even impossible to treat because antibiotics are becoming less effective. The World Health Organization states that antibiotic resistance is one of the biggest threats to global health, food security, and development today. I'll put a link to some info from the World Health Organization in the show notes, and I'm also going to put a link to the CDC's info on antibiotic resistance The CDC states that over 2 million illnesses and over 23,000 deaths can be attributed to drug-resistant illnesses. So this isn't a problem that we want to contribute to. Another place that you are going to be getting antibiotics that you may not be aware of is from eating meat and animal products. Antibiotics have been given to animals since the 40s because Farmers found that if they gave animals a constant low dose of antibiotics, that it made them gain more weight. So we call this subtherapeutic use. 
And there's somewhere like 15 to 17 million pounds of antibiotics that are being used subtherapeutically every year in the United States. Estimates are that this accounts for 70 to 80% of all antibiotics that are being given to livestock. And the meat industry holds that antibiotics are necessary for the prevention, control, and treatment of diseases and infections. I'll put a link in the show notes to review on antibiotic use in food animals. Farmers aren't using antibiotics 100% of the time, and they tend to stop using them towards the end of raising an animal just so that it limits the amount of antibiotics that's in the meat because there are maximum residue limits for antibiotics. So keep in mind the word here is maximum. So antibiotics are not banned in food, they just need to remain below certain levels. And the use of subtherapeutic antibiotics has been banned in the European Union and in Canada, but not in the United States. And I'll also link to an article from the Environmental Working Group that has a really good summary of antibiotic use in livestock, if you want to read more on that. And lastly, the issue isn't just antibiotics in the meat that you're eating, but the antibiotic-resistant bacteria in the meat. Because if an animal is receiving an antibiotic and it has some bacteria that becomes resistant, some of that is still going to be present. Heating meat will kill the bacteria, but there's still a lot of room for contamination before that happens. So if you bring home a cut of meat, anything that comes into contact with it or that touches it prior to it being cooked all the way gives the potential for contamination. If you want to avoid meat from animals treated with antibiotics, then you're going to want to look for organic or something on the label that specifically states that the animal was raised without antibiotics. Also, farm-raised seafood can also contain antibiotics. And since there isn't organic seafood, if you want to avoid antibiotics in things like your fish, then you're going to want to look for wild caught. Okay, that was a ton of information on antibiotics. To recap today's episode, we talked all about exactly what antibiotics are, the different things that they can be prescribed for during pregnancy, in birth, and in the postpartum or breastfeeding period. We talked about the risks and benefits of antibiotics and even how antibiotics may be in your food. I want to thank you for tuning into the pregnancy podcast today. I hope that you find this episode helpful. Next week, we are talking about probiotics. I mentioned at the start of this episode that antibiotics can disrupt your gut microbiome. So next week, we're going to talk about probiotics and some of the other things that you can use to make sure that you have a healthy gut, especially if you've taken antibiotics. As always, you can contact me, Vanessa, at PregnancyPodcast.com. You can find notes and resources for this episode at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 127.